Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another PC Boys podcast. This is your boy, Logan, and today we're going to be listing off my favorite and not favorite Spider-Man movies in a, a tier list, essentially, um, or a numbered list. Um, so basically, we're going to go through every Spider-Man movie made. This includes Venom into the Spider-Verse. And we're going to pretty much say which one's my least favorite to which one's my most favorite. So, sit down, strap in, get some popcorn or some hot cocoa, whatever it is that you all want to get. And let's just take a deep dive into Spider-Man in live action. So, coming in in the last spot... Uh, out of all of these films will be Spider-Man Far From Home. I fucking hated this movie, okay? The more that I watch Spider-Man Far From Home is the more that I just get annoyed with this fucking movie. Now, the main thing that bothered me about Spider-Man Far From Home um, is, is one of two things. A, Mysterio and his motivation to doing what he does. It's garbage. Oh, he named my invention Barf. And he, and, he, and he stole my invention. Okay, motherfucker, but, like, you think that's a good enough of a motivation to go murder people? No. Quentin Beck, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal's an actor I really like, but, I mean... His motivation in this movie was absolutely horrendous. So that's the first reason I fucking hated this film. The The villain's motive was just so... I wouldn't even say it was weak. It was non-existent. I mean, what kind of fucking motive is... Oh, you named my invention something so stupid and you stole it, so I'm gonna kill people and become a famous superhero using your tech by manipulating a young teenage boy who looked up to you, and now I'm, I'm just gonna be a dick. Like, no, I'm sorry. I just, I don't like it. Spider-Man Far From Home fucking annoyed me with that. That's the first thing that annoyed me about Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, okay? The, so that's the first thing. The second thing about Spider-Man Far From Home that I absolutely fucking hate is... The relationship dynamic between Tom Holland and Zendaya. It is weaker than Kristen Dunst and Tobey Maguire in, in that trilogy. And yeah, I didn't really believe what was on screen. Like Zendaya and Tom Holland in that movie to me did not feel like they were really a couple. Number one, he like we go from Spider-Man Homecoming where he has a crush on Liz and she obviously moves away after her dad goes to prison. And then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, Peter likes MJ now. And it's like, okay, so you're not even going to develop how he comes to like her and how they become friends? That was a big misstep on the writer's part. You can't just make a love interest by starting the movie off and saying, oh, by the way, Peter likes this person now. No, that's not how you do it. you got to build up to it. That's what the Amazing Spider-Man, even the Raimi movies, did a very good job with. They built up to that relationship. Peter and Mary Jane never dated in the first movie. It wasn't until the second movie, at the end, when they started to actually confess their feelings towards each other. And then with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, their relationship built up throughout that first movie and started as friends. So when I look at the whole relationship dynamic in Far From Home, I'm like, this is just so forced and there's no connection 
I don't feel anything for Peter and MJ's relationship in Far From Home. You start the movie finding out that Peter likes MJ now, and then that's it. He's got this whole plan on how to, you know, romance her, and yeah, it's it's fucking terrible. I did not enjoy it. I know my friend um, Alex Huff, who was on my podcast, which you will be very soon once I get to see No Way Home, we're going to discuss about it. She told me that she preferred Far From Home's uh, script, and I'm sorry, Alex, but you're on some crack. <laughs> that fucking script was terrible. I absolutely dislike it. But then again, we all will, you know, look for different things in movies. For me, um, I just didn't find that relationship dynamic to be good. And the villain had a very weak plot. I mean, Tom Holland did very well with what he was given. But, you know, y- you gotta remember, if your villain has a very shitty motive and the relationship dynamic that is surrounding your entire fucking movie, which is one of the main plot points of your movie, does not work, then, yeah, everything goes to shit. And I don't care about how good the MCU CGI is. That's never gonna win them over in my eyes. It's about how you write the character. So Spider-Man Far From Home is my least favorite Spider-Man movie out of all of them. Yes, even more than Spider-Man 3. And we'll get to my reasons why when we get there. Because I rewatched Spider-Man 3 this last Thursday. So it's very fresh in my mind. So moving on to my second to last spot. We have Venom Let There Be Carnage. Now, I love the Venom movies. Don't get me wrong. They're fun. They're very nice to... They're they're very chillax movies. You know, you want to watch a superhero movie, but you don't want to get into, like, a, a, you know, uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier, like, spy drama. You just want to throw something in with some good humor, some good action. The Venom movies is where it's at. Um, and they're fun. They're not meant to be, you know, very in-depth story movies. They're not meant to be that way. They're meant to be just fun movies. Um, and that's why they're really far back here. It's not because they're terrible movies like Far From Home. Um, in my opinion, they're just, they're not well written, but that's kind of the the purpose of these films. They're just supposed to be fun and not very story oriented. The reason uh, why Let There Be Carnage is behind Venom 1 is because Venom 1 had more of a story to it, which I did enjoy. Um, While it was basic and generic, I did like it at least. It gave us a little bit of, you know, reason to why the villain does what he does and more world building. Um, And I like that. The problem with Venom Let There Be Carnage for me was just how much they jumped around it kind of felt like whiplash. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, Tom Hardy did a great job and all the elements that we loved about the first film, which came with Venom and uh, Tom Hardy's relationship and the action and everything was great. And, you know, I have no problem with any of that stuff. It's just to do with the fact that there is not much of a story there. It just kind of jumps all over the place. Um, and that's the only real big problem I have with Venom Let to be Carnage. Uh, the second one also is that it's not rated R, um, because, you know, Carnage without that R rating just does not feel as menacing as he does in the comic books, um, my favorite Marvel villain, as you all know, is Taskmaster, which is very odd because most people are like, who the fuck is Taskmaster, but, um, when it comes to, like, my second, uh, favorite villain, it's Venom, and then Green Goblin. Carnage, for me, is around fourth or fifth place in terms of Marvel villains. Obviously, because I'm a Spider-Man fan, mostly Spider-Man's villains are within my top ten rankings. But Carnage, you know, the reason I don't like him like Venom is because Venom has a more personal relationship with Spider-Man, seeing how, how 
you know, he was attached to Spider-Man compared to Carnage. But, you know, from reading Carnage in the comics to going to uh, Venom Left to be Carnage, I mean, Carnage was done well for PG-13. I mean, he was vicious, he was ruthless, but without the blood, uh, you know, it, it wasn't as uh, as good as it could have been. <laughs> So Venom, Let There Be Carnage, good movie, a lot of fun, it just, I wish it had a little more story, that's my only real complaint with that movie. Uh, Venom 1, um, basically, as good as Venom, Let There Be Carnage on every other sense, uh, also adding in the fact that it has more of a story to it. So, not really much to say about Venom 1, it's relatively the same as Venom, Let There Be Carnage, with just some story. That, that's it, nothing major. I enjoyed them both, but because they are not, you know, very in-depth stories and whatnot, I cannot put them at the top of the list. So, moving on to my next spot, we have um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I want to put The Amazing Spider-Man 2 up higher on this list, because Andrew Garfield does a great job playing Spider-Man. Um, and him and Emma Stone's relationship carried the, those two movies. Um, and, and this movie was so fucking good. I mean, you know, with Gwen's death and them building up that relationship and that being a major plot point, it made her death feel emotional and it paid off. Um, but the main problem with The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was they were trying to do so much setup in one movie for their Sinister Six movie and spinoff films that, in my opinion, it just deteriorated a great movie. Um, Harry Osborn was just kind of thrown in there. Uh, one second they're, you know, having this awkward, you know, uh, catching up to speed on their lives. And then the next minute Harry's dying and needs Spider-Man's blood to save his life. And, you know, it was just a little too quick, um, in my opinion, with how the, the pace of that was going. And then also, you know, Electro was put there as the main villain, obviously. And, you know, his character gets a little bit sidetracked about halfway through the movie and then at the end they just pick up again uh when harry needs something um and then they throw the fucking rhino in at the end which is such stupid bullshit it's like why do that it's never gonna get payoff in any other future installment so it's like why the fuck do you do that so the amazing spider-man 2 had a very good story in my opinion um, somewhere within that script writing. I think, you know, Mark Webb as the director was a perfect choice. Um, but at the same time, I think somewhere in that script room was a, a draft of this movie that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, of, of course, you know, just having Sony be involved and their stupid-ass studio um, involvement and getting in and meddling with things, it kind of ruined the uh, the movie for a lot of people. So... Unfortunately, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 went from being what could have been a great film to just, oh, we need to set up the Sinister Six, and then we gotta set up Venom, and then we gotta set up all these other films. So, rewrite your whole entire movie. Like, you know, we know what fucking Sony does. So, unfortunately, due to that, this movie suffered a lot in terms of just being overstuffed and trying to do too much with its runtime than it could actually handle. Um... So that's where The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is. Unfortunately, it's more further back. I'm trying to remember in, like, how many movies there are. Hold on. Um, we're covering, or we have covered thus far, Far From Home, Venom 1 and 2, The Amazing Spider-Man 1, or, or 2, and then you got The Amazing Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 3, 2, 1, Homecoming, uh, Spider-Verse, so, out of 10 movies, I think, so, we've already covered spot number 10, Far From Home, 
Let to be Carnage is nine. A is Venom, and then um, number seven's The Amazing Spider-Man Two. So number six is going to be Spider-Man Three. I like Spider-Man Three. I rewatched it, and I have a lot more respect for the movie than I did um, because I hadn't watched it for a long time. Even though I own it, I just never was a big fan of it. But you know. Looking at Far From Home, I'd rather watch Spider-Man 3 any day over Far From Home. The main problem with Spider-Man 3 was, yet again, trying to put too much stuff into one movie. Like, they literally fleshed out Sandman and gave him a character arc and a personal beef with Peter Parker, which really, you know, translated through this movie uh, very well. And then they just threw Eddie Brock and Venom in there, and it just... It felt so stupid. Eddie Brock is the biggest crybaby in this fucking movie. I think, I, in my opinion, Venom is the worst thing about this movie. It's not even Harry and the New Goblin, because, you know, they could have done so much more with Harry and the New Goblin. Like, he had an actual motive to go after Peter. He has since the first movie. He thought that Spider-Man killed his dad. And therefore, he had a, a perfect motive for the entire trilogy. Sandman and Peter Parker had a good motive, too, but... Fucking Venom, Eddie Brock was like, oh, yeah, I want to be the next photographer and get the staff job. And then I, you know, got found out that I took your work and, you know, photoshopped it a little bit. And then I got caught and I got kicked out of my job. And now my life's ruined and I'm going to wish death upon you. Then I get the symbiote and then I go after your girlfriend and then I try to kill you. It's like, okay, we get it. He has no character at all. We get it. You could tell Sam Raimi just didn't... I mean, Sam Raimi didn't want to have Venom in the movie anyways, and you can tell that with how he was written and implemented in the movie. And that's really the only part of the movie that sucked. It was Venom and Eddie Brock. Like, they were just... If you took those two things out of the movie, it would have been a much better film. 110%. But unfortunately, we got stuck with what we did. It's not a bad movie by any you know stretch of the imagination. It's just not the best. So, um, moving on from the seventh spot, or wait, sixth spot? Fuck, guys, I'm losing track. We talked about Far From Home, Venom 1, Venom 2, Main Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Man 3. So we've talked about five. So we're at the fifth spot, I believe, yeah, I believe we're at spot number five. So, in the fifth spot, we have The Amazing Spider-Man 1. Now, The Amazing Spider-Man 1 is um, a pretty well-done movie, uh, all things considered, other than maybe the Spider-Man suit, uh, which was, which it was actually memed to death uh, about it being the basketball suit, um, because the pattern on it looks like a fucking basketball which I, I can attest to it. it did look like a basketball. But um, besides that, the movie was actually really good. Kurt Connors, I kind of contrasted like he was uh, Dr. Oc- Octopus because Doc Ock, you know, was turned crazy by his invention and wanting to save the world. And, and same thing with Kurt Connors, you know, he wanted to do good, but then he also had his personal incentive in, in the whole thing. And he got that personal incentive. Um, but, you know, it kind of made him turn crazy. So, 
it was a good movie. Um, they definitely made Uncle Ben and Peter a lot closer in this movie. So when he died, you felt it more. And him and his Aunt May were very distant. Um, so no, this movie was done very well. Um, Emma Stone, you know, Andrew Garfield's relationship, absolutely phenomenal. The effects in the movie, absolutely phenomenal. I gotta say, The Amazing Spider-Man 1 was a very solid film, and I don't know why people hated the movie so much, other than the look of the suit. Um, it was very well written, and Mark Webb did a great job, especially having that be, like, his, you know, second movie ever. So, it was a very well done movie, and I have a lot of respect for that film. Um, so... Moving on to the number four spot. Now we're starting to get um, into the top four uh, movies. Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, this movie, in my opinion, okay, um, Spider-Man Homecoming is a very good movie. I enjoy watching it. The Vulture has very, very relatable motives. I mean, he's trying to support his family, a working-class man, um, and he turns to crime. Because, you know, he essentially went bankrupt uh, after the Department of Damage Control came in and take over his whole, or took over his whole operation. Yeah, he was kind of fucked. So it's understandable as to why he turned to crime. Um, and then, of course, Peter is still learning to become Spider-Man uh, throughout this movie. Um, he is in high school, makes a lot of, you know, um, inexperienced decisions. And while Peter Parker, yes, the movie was very lighthearted and the movie had a lot of problems in terms of Peter Parker himself, uh, which is said to be resolved by the end of No Way Home, which I'm hoping when I go and see it, um, you know, I, I really, out of the entire Homecoming trilogy, Spider-Man Homecoming, as of right now, because I haven't seen No Way Home, is my favorite out of them. And it's not even hard to compare it to Far From Home, because Far From Home was absolutely atrocious. My least favorite Spider-Man movie of all fucking time, and nobody will ever be able to change my mind on that. I just fucking hate it. It's terrible. So, Spider-Man... Homecoming. Very decent. Liked it a lot. Good villain. Good setup. Good little story to begin Spider-Man's journey in the MCU. Nothing over the top, uh, which it didn't need to be. And I was very impressed with it. I was, I was very happy with the product that we got. Um, and I'm not going to complain. I mean, it's everything I wanted it to be at the time. And at the time, we had only been introduced to Spider-Man through Civil War. So, we just need a little entry into this, uh, this series. So, so Spider-Man Homecoming is a very... I do enjoy Homecoming a lot. I really wish that Far From Home was on the level of Homecoming, but they just somehow butchered the villain, and then the relationship complex in Homecoming made sense. Peter had a crush on a high school senior who he didn't know well. And yeah, they went to the Homecoming dance together before he ditched her very shortly. But at the same time, you could tell that it was just a crush. There was no major like, oh, I'm in love with her. Like, like there, 
you it was a crush. It was stated that way in the movie. As to where in Far From Home, he's like, oh, I'm in love with MJ. But you don't get to see the journey of how he comes to love MJ. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't wake up one day and say, I love this girl. No, you don't. Obviously, if you come to love somebody, it develops over time and there's a journey to get there to where those feelings get there. Trust me, I know this personally, okay? It's not just like you wake up and you love somebody. There's a process that happens over a period of time when you come to love someone. That movie just did just I don't know what the fuck the writing team was. They just did some lazy writing. Insert Deadpool joke right there. Well, that's just lazy writing cuz it is. Ryan Reynolds would be proud of me using that in that specific circumstance. But no, Homecoming, great movie. And one of the best MCU entries, in my opinion, in terms of Spider-Man. But, I mean, as an MCU entry, it was, you know, middle of the road. It wasn't nothing spectacular, but it wasn't terrible. Um, So it was definitely middle of the road for me. But, yeah, Far From Home was one of my least favorite MCU entries. I mean, yeah, it's better than Captain Marvel, because I fell asleep in that movie. (laughs) Um, But... And Eternals, I haven't watched. I have no interest to watch the Eternals. I'm going to be honest with you guys. That's like the one MCU movie that I'm okay with not owning. (laughs) So, anyways, moving on to our third spot. 2002 Spider-Man 1. Spider-Man 1 is a very classic Spider-Man movie. It's got a good Spider-Man story. Now, of course, it is a origin story. And The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man you know, the original Spider-Man 1 from, uh, Raimi, you could definitely tell that they, uh, were trying to do very different origin stories between those two movies and the directors. You could definitely tell that there was a difference in tone and how they wanted to deal with those characters. And that's, you know, all cool and dandy. I mean, it was a very well-done origin movie, and at the time, it was the best, what, box office opening ever at the time, and it was also revolutionary for superhero movies because it was the, you know, beginning of the CGI era, and, you know, we've come a long way since then, but that was also one of Kevin Feige's, like, first projects ever before the MC you became a thing. So, you know, Spider-Man 2 was a really good movie. You know, Peter Parker's character, fleshed out, done very well. Um, Mary Jane, other than the damsel in distress piece, you know, you got to really feel where she came from, you know, being abused by her family mentally. Um, and Peter just treating her very well compared to everybody else, regardless of, you know, how silly her dreams might have seemed like to whatnot. Like, you, you really came to feel for the characters. And William Dafoe is Green Goblin. That motherfucker is the most... Okay, I'm excited for him and Alfred Molina. In Spider-Man No Way Home. Those are like my two villains I'm most excited to see. I mean, yeah, Electro's cool to come back and the Lizard and eh, Sandman, whatever. But when it comes to, you know, Green Goblin, when it comes to uh, Doc Ock, I'm so excited for those two. Because they're in my most favorite Spider-Man movies of all time. And I'm not saying that, you know, that Toby's my favorite Spider-Man. I don't really have a favorite Spider-Man. I enjoy them all for different reasons. Um... But it is among some of the best written movies, for sure. Spider-Man, you know, you had the Green Goblin being this one villain that was so fucked up. Not only was he just killing people, but he was like, I'm going to attack your Aunt May. I'm going to throw your fucking girlfriend off of the bridge. And I'm going to, like, let a bunch of kids fall off the bridge in a, in a fairy. Or not a fairy. Ah, uh, fuck. What is it? Gondola? And I was like, wow. This motherfucker's sadistic. This is awesome. And the end fight scene, dude. Spider-Man gets his ass beat. 
And, of course, the goblin has to mention MJ, so he gets up and beats the shit out of him after that. But it was a very good movie. I fucking loved it. Spider-Man 1, a very good classic. The two movies ahead of this are the only reason that they beat Spider-Man 1 is because Spider-Man, well, the first one, or my first place one, just outdid Spider-Man 1, and we'll get to it. But in number two, Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse is a very well-done movie. The fact that they could balance... The amount of characters that they did, giving Peter uh, B. Parker a great story arc, Miles a great story arc, hell, even Gwen. I thought it was all done very well. It was very entertaining. It was lighthearted and serious where it needed to be, and it was so fucking good. It was a great movie. I loved it. I had a fun time with it. You know, I was a little bit on the fence about it when I first heard about it. I was like, ah, oh, damn it, a fucking animated Spider-Man movie. I was like, eh, I don't know about it, but I, I came to love it. I love Miles. I love Peter B. Parker, Gwen. When Spider-Man Noir, um, Penny Parker, like, I loved everybody. Spider-Ham, it was so cool. It was really nice. And I'm, I'm so excited for Across the Spider-Verse Part uh, 1 next year. And you bet your ass will be in the theater to see that. But it was a very good movie. It was very well done. I, I haven't watched Into the Spider-Verse as many times as the Maguire films and stuff. But it's because I only like to watch it around Christmas time. I haven't yet. I'm waiting for the, you know, I'm waiting till this coming week after tomorrow when I actually get on. Because I start, technically started Vacation Friday, but I work Friday through Sunday. So I basically went from finals into work. So my, really, my vacation doesn't start until Monday. So once Christmas week hits, I will watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because it is a fucking phenomenal film. But I only like to watch it during Christmas time because the movie's set in the snow. I can't remember if it's around Christmas time or not, but that's when I like to watch it. I like to watch it around this time of the year. Um, but yeah, Into the Spider-Verse, great fucking movie. So, this leaves us, of course, with the best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion, Spider-Man 2. Why is Spider-Man 2 better than Spider-Man 1? Because this was the most comic book-feeling Spider-Man movie we have ever gotten. Peter Parker is struggling with being Peter Parker and being Spider-Man, being late for class, losing his job, failing his friends, and the woman that he loves, all because he's Spider-Man, and even gives up the mantle of Spider-Man in this movie. But then he comes to, you know, while he's happy and stuff, eventually he comes to feel guilt because the responsibility that he was tasked with, he is now giving up, and people around him are getting hurt, and he feels responsible. It's the guilt so Peter Parker in Spider-Man 2 really felt like comic book Peter Parker. The amount of things that he had to sacrifice, endure, and come to understand by the end of that movie. Even willing to give up his relationship with Mary Jane to be Spider-Man because he has to be. It was a very well-written, shot, acted film. Spider-Man 2 is the one Spider-Man movie I can pop in and have popped in over and over and over again. The MCU Spider-Man movies, I watch them, I enjoy them if I'm doing like an MCU marathon, but I don't watch Spider-Man from the MCU outside of an MCU marathon 
because he doesn't feel like comic book Spider-Man. He doesn't feel like the guy that I read on the page that inspired me to be a better person. Um, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies do feel that way a little bit, but they just aren't as comically there. They're a little bit different. Um, and the reason Maguire's movies, I think, are the best comic book representation of Spider-Man, mainly with Spider-Man 2 and 1, more so than 3, um, is because of the growth of the character and what he faces in those movies feel like a comic book arc that he has been on before. And I really like when I can say I remember this from the comics. So that's my my ranking of these Spider-Man movies. Um, you know, I'm excited for No Way Home. I won't be able to see it till Wednesday. So my spoiler review, because I don't believe in spoiler-free reviews, I think they're pointless. My spoiler review will be out Wednesday night when I get home from the movie. I wanted to see it and experience the event this weekend, but I didn't want to do it without my dad, and my best friend wanted to see it. She said that she could have gone this weekend, but at that point, I already had made the plans to do it next week. So I said, fuck it, we're just doing it next week, as we originally planned, and we're just gonna do that. And I, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm hoping that this changes and fixes all the problems I have with MCU Spider-Man. Um, I already know what's in the movie. A, I've been covering this movie for the past year. I already know... That Toby's in the movie. I already know Andrew's in the movie. I already know Daredevil's in the movie. I know all these things. I have pictures and stuff way before this movie came out. I already know certain things. That's not spoiler for me. Because it was spoiled a long time ago. Okay? These are things that I already know going into the movie. The thing... And I even, unfortunately, know the death that happens in the movie because of soundtrack, you know, names being listed. Um... So, I've been spoiled the movie by those things alone. But I want to see Peter Parker turn into the Spider-Man that I have read on the comics. And like I said, everybody watches a Spider-Man movie for different reasons. Some people watch them for, you know, comedy. Some watch them for just action. I watch them because I want it to be what I read as a child. The thing that inspired me. And if Peter Parker in this movie comes to be his own Spider-Man and grow up and not be dependent on the Avengers and other superheroes and to just do things on his own, make sacrifices, go through adversity, this movie will be among my top favorite Spider-Man movies. And if that is the case, it might make me look at the Homecoming trilogy a lot more differently. But Far From Home, I'm still gonna hate. <laughs> I'm still gonna hate Far From Home. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, that movie. Gosh damn. Um, but yeah, when it comes to Spider-Man, No Way Home, I am excited for it. Um, I know it's gonna be a nostalgia trip, but I want it to be a well-written movie, and I want MCU Peter Parker to be Spider-Man. That I've read in the comics. 
obviously adapted for modern age, but the main core of the character needs to be there. Peter Parker faces some of the toughest decisions, some of the toughest situations he's ever been in, and even faces a lot of loss, but he still chooses to be Spider-Man despite all of those things. That's what inspires me about Spider-Man. His willingness to persevere through the pain and the shit that he's put through. Because when I'm on my lowest days, it reminds me that I can get through it. And that things will be okay. Because my life isn't as shitty as Spider-Man's. And if Spider-Man can get through the shit he goes through, I can get through whatever I'm going through. Spider-Man is a big part of my life. I love Marvel in general, and all the characters within the comics, well, for the most part, and the movies. Um, but Spider-Man will always and forever will be my one and only favorite superhero. By miles. I mean, Spider-Man... This movie, when it comes to No Way Home, when it comes to Spider-Man, this is... It's hard to explain how much the character means to me. Sure, I might not own all of his Pop Funkos, or all of his memorabilia, or all of his movies, or all of, you know, on Steelbooks, or, you know, I might not own every single thing like that. I might not, you know, have that, but I have enough. My love for the character runs deep. So... Uh, you know, after giving, of course, my opinions on the Spider-Man movies that have come out. I, I enjoy every Spider-Man movie. Far From Home was just a very frustrating one for me to get through. I mean, it's not the worst movie that I've ever seen. I mean, it's enjoyable at parts, but as an overall movie, I don't like it. And especially comparing it to every other Spider-Man movie, I definitely don't like it compared to every other Spider-Man movie. Definitely the weakest one of those. I, I, I just don't like Far From Home at all. But, No Way Home, I think, is going to be very good. No Way Home, I don't think we'll be able to beat Spider-Man 2. Even with all the fan service, and even with, you know, everything going on with it, it can be a number two. I do think No Way Home could become my second favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. Sp because, it, like Spider-Verse, if it's well-written and has a lot of cool, nostalgic, and, 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 you know, comic things in there, yeah, it's doing something different with the multiverse and everything. A lot like Spider-Verse was very different with the multiverse. It could be in my second favorite Spider-Man movie. It could. But it all depends on how do they write Peter Parker. How does his trilogy end? That is what matters to me. At the end of that movie. When I walk out of their Wednesday. Seeing Toby, seeing Daredevil, seeing Andrew, and all these villains returning is going to be great. But that is not what makes this movie great. It is, it, what makes this movie great is if Tom Holland Spider-Man goes from being a boy to a man. Accepting responsibility. Dealing with some really tough things happening to him. And being able to persevere, to be his own hero, to make hard choices. 
That's what I want out of this movie. And if I get that, this movie will be my second favorite Spider-Man movie. As much as I love Spider-Verse, it will be my second favorite Spider-Man movie. Because then the Homecoming trilogy is just Spider-Man turning into a man. That's his whole journey in the MCU thus far, would be him turning into Spider-Man. But yeah. Very excited to see what we got. Wednesday. But, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It's been a little while. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'll be doing a live stream on Fortnite here in not too long. But thank you all very much for listening. Hope you all enjoyed, and I'll catch you all in the next one.